The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Well, today we are in the second part of our series, The Truth About God and Our Money. And if you were not with us last weekend, we began the series together by asking a very simple and yet, honestly, a question that most of us just never really even think to ask. And the question is simply this, how is it that God actually views our money? And we looked at the answer to this question, which is actually found in a parable, a fascinating parable that Jesus told that is recorded for us in the book of Luke. And what we discovered is that God, he actually views money as a tool to impact people for eternity. And we also said that when we begin to see as God sees and we begin to do what it is that God says to do, that that actually results in joy for us. And, and this is where these topics of faith and our finances really kind of begin to come together and they begin to intersect because your Heavenly Father, if you're a follower of Jesus, your Heavenly Father, He is always going to lead you in a very, very specific direction in life. And that direction that He's going to lead you in is always towards this, but not just this, but also peace and freedom. In fact, it's the Apostle Paul who explains all of this to us in the letter that he wrote to the followers of Jesus living in the city of Galatia. Take out your Bibles, open them up to Galatians chapter 5. If you're using one of those Bibles either in front of you or behind you, you can find that on page 1816. It's in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 16 that the Apostle Paul, that he says this, and he explains this whole idea to us. He tells us this. He says, so I say, live by the Spirit. In other words, Paul says, I want you to actually live in sync with the, the Holy Spirit who actually lives inside of you if you are a follower of Jesus. Because see, Paul would say, when you became a follower of Jesus, whether you realized it or not, whether you understood it or not, the, the reason you actually became a follower of Jesus is because the Holy Spirit, he, he took up residence inside of your heart and he actually gave to you faith. And that isn't something that's meant to sound strange, Paul would say. That's just, that's just how the Holy Spirit works. That's how he works to change us from the inside out. And the way that we experience that change is that over time, our conscience actually begins to change. And so over time, that means that things that never bothered you, they're going to start bothering you. And that thought might bother you, but the bothering isn't going to go away, Paul would say. In fact, you don't even really want the bothering to go away. Because that bothering, the Apostle Paul would say, is actually your Heavenly Father. It is the Holy Spirit who is leading you in a direction. And in case you wonder what direction that is, the Apostle Paul tells us what direction that is. And it's always the same. And it always looks like this. Verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the outcome of going along with the, the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading you in. The outcome of that is actually everything that you want all the people who are in your life to actually have more of. And so your Heavenly Father, He wants you to have more of it as well, which is to say that He wants you to have love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And see, the reason why He leads us very specifically towards these things is because all of these things 
they are actually at war with that natural desire that is in every single one of us to just simply accumulate and consume, right? Accumulate and consume. The never-ending battle of accumulate and consume. Now, why? Why does that happen? Right? Is it because our Heavenly Father is some kind of a, a cosmic killjoy? No. No, because, see, listen, he knows what you know. He knows what everybody in this room knows. What everybody in this room has experienced at some point in life is that nobody wants to actually be mastered by a desire. A desire that baited them into thinking it was nothing more than just a pastime. A desire that maybe baited you into thinking it was nothing more than a pastime for you. But, see, over time, what you began to understand and realize when it was too late is that that thing that you thought would just be a pastime, no, it was actually a pathway. It was actually a pathway to control of your life. And see, if anybody would have asked you at that time in your life, okay, who is in control, you would have said, oh, I am, absolutely. But secretly, you would have known, deep down inside, you would have known, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Something else has actually taken control of me. Because see, what all of us either have or eventually will figure out is that it is, in fact, self-control that always leads to freedom. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like freedom to me. Well, think about it this way. See, the opposite of self-control is actually to be controlled. And what every single one of us understands is being controlled never leads to freedom. And so your Heavenly Father, right, who loves you, of course he does not want you to be controlled by a thing. And besides, if you are a follower of Jesus, you already have a master. In fact, it's at the end of the parable that we looked at together last week that Jesus ends by saying something that probably all of us have heard at some point in our lives. He tells us this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one, and you will despise the other. And see, the word master here, this word master, it actually comes from the Greek word kuros, which all throughout the New Testament we translate as the word Lord, which means someone who is in charge of somebody else by virtue of ownership. And see, the problem with this, the tension for this, especially as us as Americans, when we hear this, we think to ourselves, okay, not only do I not have two masters, listen, I don't have any master. Right? To which Jesus would say, well, let's find out. Because listen, you cannot, Jesus would say, you cannot serve both God and money. And see, because this statement is so familiar to so many of us, it's easy for us to actually miss what it is that makes this statement of Jesus so brilliant. Because see, if we were to just take out that word money and just kind of leave this blank for a minute, and if you were to just look at this statement and think about the tension that Jesus is creating, think about the contrast that Jesus is trying to create with what it is that he's saying here, the truth is probably none of us would actually put the word money in there. We would probably put things like maybe the devil, right? Maybe that's what Jesus is talking about. Maybe we would put our own name inside there, right? But Jesus says no. No, that is not what's going on. You have, there are two chief competitors for the issue of ownership in your heart, Jesus would say. And those two chief competitors, when it comes to the ownership of your heart, they are your heavenly father and your money, your stuff. And see, you may believe that, you may not believe that. But think about it this way. Let's come at this from a slightly different direction. If you are a follower of Jesus, how much easier is it for you to actually trust God with your sin than it is your stuff? 
right? Think about that for a moment. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, right, we're actually trusting our entire eternity to God. And yet, be honest, how much more difficult is it to actually think about the idea of trusting God with your money, right? See, this is what makes Jesus so brilliant. This is not about Jesus getting your money. This is actually about Jesus getting you. And so Jesus says, listen, if you really want to tackle this, if you really want to experience freedom, if you do not want to be owned by a thing, then this is where you start. In fact, this is where we actually pick up from where we left off last week. Because the place to start, Jesus would say, is to make sure that you're actually going in the right direction. And so don't wander off. Don't get off course. Don't go your own way. And so Jesus, he says this, he says, seek. Seek, right? Go this way. Seek. And he says, seek first. Because really, really, this whole thing is all about priority. Because Jesus says, listen, the key to actually breaking that never ending cycle of accumulate and consume, accumulate and consume that's so easy for every single one of us to get caught up in, the way to make sure, right, that that your stuff doesn't become your master is to actually prioritize something else above it. And so Jesus says, I actually want to invite you. I want to invite all of you as my followers. I want you to experience freedom. And so here's my invitation to you. Seek first my Father's kingdom and my Father's righteousness. Because my Father's kingdom, Jesus would say, is an others first and me second kingdom. And my Father's righteousness is an others first righteousness. And to understand exactly what that means, we just watch Jesus. Because Jesus' righteousness was never about just standing apart. It was never about looking good. It was never about just saying all the right things. Jesus' righteousness was always an other's first righteousness. Jesus' righteousness was always to put you first and to put me first. And so Jesus says, I want to invite you to join my heavenly Father's other's first kingdom. Because as my followers, Jesus would say, I want you to live in that kind of a priority system. And see, Jesus is being very clear here. Something has to come first. And so he is inviting you and he is inviting me to live and to experience his father's, others' first kingdom. Because in the kingdom where you do not go first, Jesus would say, you will actually experience more joy, more peace, and more freedom. But there is a catch to all this. There is a catch. Jesus is honest because he would say, in my kingdom, you have to serve everybody else. Right? In my kingdom, Jesus says, you actually have to serve each other. Because Jesus says, you know how it works in the other kingdoms, the kingdoms that are not my kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world. You know how it works. Right? In those kingdoms, the person who has all the resources, they use their resources to get more resources for themselves. They use their power to get more power for themselves. And Jesus says, listen, if you're my followers, right, not so with you. As my followers, not so. That is not how it's supposed to work for you. For even, talking about himself, Jesus says, for even the Son of Man, he did not come to be served, but to serve. And to actually give his life as a ransom for many. And then he did. 
And the world has never been the same. And so Jesus is inviting you, just as he invites me, to join his kingdom, to join his other's first kingdom, to join his way of seeing people, others first. And see, this is now, this is important, and don't miss this. This is not others in exclusion of you. Do not miss this. This is important. Right? Because, listen, you've got bills to pay. Right? You've got kids to raise. You've got retirement to plan for. Right? You haven't worked in a couple of months. I mean, Jesus actually understands all of that. In fact, think about this. What kind of a king would he actually be if he didn't? And see, this is why what Jesus says here is really so amazing because he says, seek first my Father's kingdom and my Father's righteousness and don't forget I love you. Right? Don't forget that I actually know what's going on with you. Don't forget I know what it takes to, to raise a family and to survive in the 21st century. I understand that because all these things that you worry about, Jesus says, they're all going to be given to you. Right? They're all going to be given to you as well. Because, see, this isn't, Jesus would say, this isn't an either or. No, this is one and two. Because somebody's kingdom, somebody's kingdom has to come first. And Jesus is inviting you, as Jesus is inviting me, to join his other's first kingdom. Because, listen, when you put you first, right, you have a hard time saying no to you, right? I mean, if, if it's all about me and my kingdom, I have a hard time saying no to me. And listen, if you love the English language, then I apologize for what you're about to see. But, but see, when you, me puts me first, eventually me gets mastered by something that's not me. And when that happens, right, when that happens, I actually lose my freedom. And you don't want that for you. And your heavenly father, he doesn't want that for you. And so what do we do? Well, the good news is Jesus already told us. You have to intentionally put something ahead of you. And I have to intentionally put something ahead of me. Because the kingdom that every single one of us were actually just born into, right? That kingdom that we just all naturally are a part of, that kingdom, it sounds like this. I'm going to live with everything that comes my way. And if there's anything left over after that, I'm going to save some of it. And then if there's anything left over after that, or maybe I see somebody who is really in need, or maybe I just feel guilty about what it is that I have, then maybe I'm going to give something away and send it their way. But see, listen, if, and if all there is to this life, right, if, that's, if all there is to this life is this, right, then you might as well live it up. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die and eventually everybody else, they just die anyway. So just consume away. Live it up. Right? Because after all, it's all for you. But if Jesus really was who Jesus claimed to be, if Jesus really is who he said it is, then the smartest thing you could do, the wisest thing that you could do, the most shrewd thing that you could do is to actually seek an other's first way to live. You give first. You save for your kingdom second. And then you live on the rest. Because, see, this is actually evidence of submission, right? This is tangible proof that there is a you above you that you are accountable to. And, see, this is also what we would call a keystone habit. 
Now, if you were with us a, a few months ago in our series, Becoming, we talked about this idea of a keystone habit. A keystone habit is one single habit that actually produces multiple positive outcomes. And so this is a keystone habit because when you actually just get that one idea right of give, save, live, when you get that right, that affects everything in your finances, which in turn affects everything or nearly everything in your entire life, which is, again, exactly why Jesus spoke so much on the subject of money and possessions in the first place. And see, ultimately, ultimately, this it is tangible proof, right? This is tangible proof that, that you are putting someone ahead of you. And ultimately, this will lead to a deep, deeper, richer, stronger faith and confidence in your Heavenly Father. Because when you have a tangible way to say no to yourself, right, you are proving that Jesus really truly is Lord because I have to say no to me in order to say yes to him. And when that happens, everything will ultimately be impacted. And when that happens, everything begins to change. And see, the truth is, Jesus was so clear. And this is hard for us, if we're honest. But the measure, right, the gauge by which you measure your devotion to God, it's not how often you go to church. It's not how many prayers that you pray. It isn't even how many Bible verses we memorize. It is our willingness to put him and others first in the arena of our finances, right? Not just factor them in, not just include them, but to actually make them first, and so if you are not already doing this, I want to challenge you to actually do this. And this challenge is only for those of you who actually are followers of Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you do not have to do this. You are not obligated to do this in any way. You are not accountable to me in any way. I hope that you would consider this because it will actually be good for you. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is optional for you. And so here's my challenge. Every single year, one of the top 10 New Year's Eve resolutions is for people to actually spend less, save more, and be more generous. And every year, every single year, according to the U.S. News and World Reports, 80%, right, 80% of all New Year's Eve resolutions fail by February, including this one, right, after just two months of making that resolution. So here's my challenge to you. As we come into the final two months of 2019, I want to challenge you to pick a percentage of your income and then give it away as soon as you get paid, right? Just pick a percentage, whatever percentage is actually going to be noticeable to you, right? Pick something that you will actually feel, okay? Why? Because when you feel it, that is, in fact, a reminder that there is a you above you that you are accountable to. So whatever percentage it is that you pick, I want you to give that away first. And listen, I know what some of you are thinking. You were here last week and you're thinking, I knew it. I knew it. This whole thing is about what it is that, that you, you can get from me. I knew it. You proved it. I get it. I understand what's going on. If that's you, right, if that's your whole objection to this, like I said last week, if you were not here with us, this is not about what I can get from you. This is about what it is that I actually want for you. So if that's your hang-up, if that's your objection, if that's been your excuse all along, I'm taking that excuse away. Don't give it here. Don't give it here. If that's your objection to give, save, live, don't give it here. The only thing I would tell you is this. 
Pick an organization that matters to you. Pick an organization that's doing something that you love, that's doing something that you care about. Pick an organization that is working to improve the lives of people in your community who are not you. Pick an organization that is working to deal with an issue that you are personally passionate about, that you care about, that that you love, and that you want to see changed. And pick that, whatever it is, this is the part that matters, pick it first. Right? Pick it first. Don't wait to be asked. Whatever percentage you pick, as soon as you get paid, just take that money and send it away. And listen, if doing this, right, if doing this actually creates anxiety in you, when that happens, I just want you to push the pause button for a moment, and I want you to listen and to think about what actually is going on inside of you and where that anxiety is coming from and what the tension is. I want you to listen very closely to those conversations, right? The conversations you have with yourself, the one that you're preparing to have with your spouse, the one that you're having with me right now. I get it. Okay, I understand. If that's what's going on, I understand that. But you, I want you to actually pay attention to those conversations, and here's why. Because if you will actually do this, right, if you will actually do this, you may discover something about yourself, and you also may discover something that you believe about your Heavenly Father. And see, this is so important. You owe this to yourself. You don't owe this to me. You owe this to yourself to understand what really is at the center of your resistance with this whole thing. And what you might discover is that this really has nothing to do at all with money. What you might discover is that this really has everything to do with exactly what it is that Jesus said this has to do with, which is the question of who or what is your master? Who or what actually is the Lord of your life? And listen, if you know anything about me at all, then one of the things that you know is that one of the principles I try very, very hard to live by is to never ask anybody to do anything that I am personally unwilling to do myself. And so when it comes to a subject like this, I think you have every right in the world to know if the guy who's preaching is actually doing what it is that he's preaching about. Okay, so let me tell you about me for a moment. I was not raised to do this. Okay, I did not grow up doing this. In fact, when I started to think about this as a 20-year-old, right, this was hard because I was not used to the idea of not living on 100% of what it is that was coming my way. But see, here's the real problem with that. Because I was living with the assumption that everything I had was for my consumption, I wasn't living on 100%. I was living on 110%, sometimes 120%, sometimes 130%. And the truth is, if you would have asked me at that time in my life how much I was living on or what percentage I was living on, I couldn't tell you because I had no idea. Because after all, me is hard to say no to. But as a 20-year-old, Right, working here part-time, going to school, leading a whole bunch of middle school kids, I bumped into these verses that we're talking about and we're studying together today. And I came in face-to-face with a very difficult and a kind of a very ugly realization, which was the result of me doing this and making myself first was actually me living with this. A whole bunch of this, a bunch of discontentment, a bunch of greed, and a whole bunch of debt. And see, here's what I realized, and here's what I want you to think about for a moment. 
when I understood what Jesus was actually talking about in these verses, let me ask you this. What amount of money does it take to fix discontentment? Right, how much money does it actually take to deal with discontentment? Right, there is no amount of money that fixes this. What about greed? How much money does it take to get rid of greed? Right, there is no amount of money that deals with this. The only thing that deals with these three things is the issue of management. And what Jesus was exposing to me was my miss management. Because by asking me the questions of who or what was in control and what exactly was most important to me, what Jesus was exposing to me, what was most important to me. And when that finally happened and I understood and could see what was going on and I took a hard look at myself, then what happened is Jesus actually took his rightful place in my life and Jesus did for me what Jesus promises to do for you always, which is to set you free. And see, this is why. Okay, this is why. This is why what Jesus says is so amazing. Because listen, the second truth that Jesus wants all of us to understand about money is that unless we learn to view it and use it the way that God views it, then it will use you. It will use you. Because when Jesus says no one can serve two masters, you cannot serve both God and money, what I came to understand that meant was that until Jesus was first in my finances... Jesus was not first, period. And it wasn't until that very ugly and very difficult realization for me personally, until I actually stopped arguing with what was going on inside of here and I understood what was really happening in my own heart, when I figured out those conversations I was having with myself, it wasn't until I, actually, until I did that that I actually started to do, and not just simply hear, what it is that we are talking about together today, which is to give first, to save for my kingdom second, and then to live on the rest. And so this has been the way that we as a family have handled, and this has been the way that we have organized and prioritized our money ever since we've been married. And so listen, and think about this. Think about this. Giving... Right? Giving always results in joy. Right? You know this. Giving always results in joy. Greed, no joy. Discontentment, no joy. Debt, no joy. Right? And think about this. Save. You know this. Saving results in peace. Right? Discontentment, no peace. Debt, no peace. Right? Greed, that certainly isn't going to bring you any peace. Right? And freedom, when you actually learn to live on the rest, you are financially free, and what you experience is freedom. So this is the way that we have lived. This is the way that we have organized and prioritized our finances ever since we've been married. In fact, this is how I raised my kids to handle their money. And I didn't raise, I taught them this. You've heard me say this before, that when for every dollar they get, they give 10 cents to God, they save 10 cents, and they live on the rest. And I didn't teach them that so that the church would get their money. I taught them that so that money would not get my kids. Because I did not want my kids, I wanted my kids to actually be free of the worry of whether or not they're going to have enough. 
I wanted my kids to actually be free of being consumed with the pursuit of money. I wanted them to understand that they only need to look to their heavenly father for what he provides. And so listen, if you are, right, if you are today where I was, I get it. I get it. I get it better than anybody does, okay? So no judgment from me. No judgment. But all I would say to you, what I would suggest to you, listen, you may want to, your best option, your best option, you may just want to invite your heavenly father to actually manage you as you learn to manage your money, right? That's how you actually keep money from getting you. You invite your heavenly father to actually become your master, your manager, your Lord, and by submitting to him in a tangible way, you will actually learn how to use your money his way. And that's how you keep money and possessions and the devotion to money and possessions become, from becoming your master, your manager, and your owner. And so again, the challenge, for the challenge, right? Just two months, two months, pick a percentage, give it away. If you think I want your money, don't give it here. Give it to some organization that you're passionate about. Pay attention to what's going on inside of here. Pay attention to the arguments that you have with yourself about this whole subject. Because eventually, hopefully, you will discover something that you believe about you, and you will discover something you believe about your Heavenly Father, and maybe, most importantly, perhaps you, maybe for the very first time in your life, you will actually experience what Jesus promises to give to every single person, which money can never give you, which is more joy, more peace, and more freedom, and that only comes from actually living in your heavenly Father's other's first kingdom. Now today as we wrap up our time together this morning, I've asked our worship team to close our time. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. But then after that, we're going to sing a very familiar song. And I asked them to sing this song specifically because this song is a great reminder when we face that competition of who or what is going to be first and where is our hope found and, and what do I do with this and how do I manage this and God, I don't know if you're actually paying attention. This song is an amazing reminder that your hope, your future is actually found in one place. That there is one king, one king, one Savior and one Lord. He is the king of your heart and he is the one who always provides even when you don't see how it is that he is at work. So I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna sing. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for actually sending your son into this world to create a kingdom, Jesus, where you put us first. Jesus, a kingdom where you put our needs, you put our desires, you put all the things that we can't actually fix for ourselves. You put all those things first. You took them onto yourself and you gave. You provided. You showed up when we didn't even know you were showing up. Father, for many of us, we sit here today and we struggle and we wonder and we hope. Could this be true? Is it really true? Is this just a game? Is it really for real? And so, Father, this morning, 
for every single person in this room who has understood what you're saying to us in these sections of Scripture and who has organized and prioritized their finances this way, Father, you know that if we could all speak today, we would all answer with a resounding yes. Yes. And Father, for all of us who doubt and who question, Father, for all of us who right now in this moment find ourselves with a boatload of discontentment, a whole bunch of greed, and Father, maybe even a truckload of debt, Father, I pray that you would actually give us the courage to seek, to seek your kingdom. Not because, Jesus, you want something from us, but because, Jesus, you want something for us. You want us to experience joy. You want us to experience peace. And you want us to experience freedom. Freedom from death. Freedom from worry. And freedom from the fear of not being cared for. Jesus, that is what you do for every single one of us each day. We thank you for that. We ask you for the faith to believe that you will continue to do that. And Father, my prayer for every person here, whether they're in a season of plenty or they're in a season of want, Father, I pray that whatever season they find themselves in, give them the faith to be able to sing and to know that Jesus, you are the king. You are the king of our hearts. And Jesus, you are the king of my heart. All this we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.